This morning we're starting a brand new sermon series on a subject that should be of interest to all of us. Trials and troubles and tribulations and pain and suffering. The title of our message this morning is Under the Thumb. Say, Pastor, where did you get that from? If you listen, I'll explain it to you in just a moment. Hebrews chapter 12, beginning with verse 5, we'll read through verse 8. The words of the Apostle Paul, perhaps the greatest Christian man who ever lived, as he tells us about chastening, about discipline, about trials, about tribulations, about hurt and pain and suffering that come to the people of God. He says in verse 5, And ye have forgotten the exhortation, which speaketh unto you as unto children. The exhortation is this, My children, despise not thou the chastening or the disciplining of the Lord. Do not faint when He sends it to you. For whom the Lord loves, He disciplines, He chastens, and He scourges, He brings pain and suffering to every child whom He receiveth. If you endured this chastening, this disciplining, which can be very painful, God will deal with you as He does with sons and daughters. But what child is He whom the Father will not discipline? If you be without discipline, chastisement, you are, if you are not partakers, but you are illegitimate children. You are not sons nor daughters. Many years ago, there was a great Methodist preacher by the name of W.E. Sangster. He had only one sister, and she lived to be nine years old. When she entered the world at birth, she had great medical problems. The doctors tried to address those problems through 14 major surgeries that she would have in nine years of life. Each surgery made her worse. It got to the point that every single day of her life, She was in agonizing pain. Her cries could be heard all across the places that she stayed. Those 14 surgeries had grossly disfigured her. They made her look hideous like a monster, if you will. Those surgeries left five huge gaping holes in her head that oozed with infectious odor. W.E. Sangster's sister laid in a bed of tears and blood for most of her life. When people would come to see her, the question they would ask you, where's God? Where is this God of love? 
Where is this God of compassion? Where is this God of care? Where is He now? They would say. Others would come to the preacher. Preacher Sangster, why? Why is this happening? You serve God. You teach and preach He's a God of love. He's a God of compassion. He's a God of concern. He's a God of healing. He's a God who can lift burdens. Why doesn't He do something for your sister? And the great preacher's answer was probably what our answer is. I don't know. I don't know. Pain and suffering are two words that I call the Achilles heel of Christianity. We cannot explain these words. We cannot defend these words. When people ask us, why does God allow pain and suffering on our world? We don't know. Why does God allow pain and suffering in the lives of people that we know and love? We don't know. Why does God allow pain and suffering into our lives? And we're faithful to Him. And our only answer can be, once again, we don't know. These are questions that are good questions, but we can't answer them. We mumble, we bumble, we stutter, we stammer, trying to come up with an answer, and the answer is just blowing in the wind, as Bob Dylan sings. I don't know in the next weeks if I'll answer those questions. But what I want us to do is look at the subject of trials and tribulations and pain and suffering, and learn something that might help us. Because if you're not in it right now, pay attention, one day you will be. I'd like to begin with just some basic truths concerning pain and suffering and trials and tribulations. And once I'm through with some basic stuff that's found in the Scriptures... We're then going to go to Hebrews chapter 12 and we're going to break down those verses that I read and some others. So don't leave Hebrews 12. When you talk about trials, that word in the Greek language is an interesting word. It comes from a word that means to be under somebody's thumb. To have the pressure of somebody's thumb on you. A thumb that is turning and and grinding you into the ground. That's what trials are. You're under the thumb. A heavy thumb that's putting pressure on you, that is grinding you. What are some things I want you to understand about being under the thumb? Trials, tribulations, pain and suffering. Well, the first thing I want you to understand is this. These are some general truths. Pain and suffering and trials and tribulations are part of life for everybody. They're part of life for everybody. I didn't say for most people. I didn't say a majority of people. I didn't say a high percentage of people. I didn't say 99.9% .9 of the people. 
everybody that's looking at me and everyone that I'm looking at right now. We all are going to go through trials and tribulations and troubles in this world. We're all going to experience pain and suffering. That's not my opinion. That's the word of Jesus. He said, in this life you live, you are going to have tribulation. Peter, writing to the Christians of his day, says something very interesting. He says, Beloved, think it not strange. Don't let it upset you concerning this fiery trial which is now upon you. Do not think it as something that has just happened to you. What he's saying is, all of us are going to have trials. All of us are going to have tribulations. All of us are going to have pain and suffering. Why? Because we all live in a fallen world. We all live in bodies that are decaying. Understand, listen to your pastor. There is no pain-free pass to heaven. The road to heaven is stained with blood, tears, and sweat. Our Lord, on the way to the cross, what did He experience? Trials and tribulations, pain and suffering. What did He experience on the cross? Trials and tribulations and pain and suffering. If the Son of God is going to experience it, then we, the sons and daughters of man, are going to experience it. The servants will not be greater than the Master. The servants are not going to escape what the Master did not escape. What He went through, we are going to go through. Everybody is going to go through it. You say, I haven't been through it yet. Your day will come. I promise you. And it might come sooner than you think. Because some of us think the only people that have trials and tribulations and pain and suffering is old folks. I'm telling you, young folks can have them. There is no exemptions. There's no exclusions. There's no exceptions. There's no escapees. Everyone in the sound of my voice is going to go through a time in their life, and it might be their whole life, when they're going to be under the thumb. The trials and the tribulations, the pain and suffering of life is going to occur. Now you might be saying, Pastor, that's not what the TV preachers say. They say if you got enough faith, Pastor, you'll never be sick and you'll never be poor. These TV preachers say that if you have enough faith, you'll tiptoe through the tulips basking in the sunshine, healthy and wealthy all the days of your life. Ladies and gentlemen, there's a, the uh, a name for that kind of theology. It's called baloney. It's a bunch of garbage. It's not true. We all are going to go through trial and tribulations, pain and suffering. Secondly, generally speaking, Pain and suffering, trials and tribulations have different names. But they're all frightening. They're all discouraging. They're all hurtful. They're all confusing. You see, some of these things we're talking about are physical. Others are mental. Still some are emotional. Still others are spiritual, and sometimes they can come in combinations, and sometimes they can come in totality. 
Some have to do with relationships. Others with finances. Some with circumstances and situations. Some will come for a season and then they will go. Some will come for a lifetime and never go away. Some will come unexpectedly, suddenly, take you off guard. Others you know are going to come. You're prepared for them, but nevertheless, they're still difficult. Some are our fault. Others have no fault at all. But all of us are going to go through something. Or somethings. Thirdly, generally speaking, pain and suffering and trials and troubles have a purpose. I like that. They have a purpose. The purpose is to change us. God is a God of change. God is a God of transformation. God is a God of growth. God is not a God of status quo. He's not a God of being still. He's not a God of of things remaining as they are. God wants to grow us. God wants to mature us. God wants us to keep moving forward. God wants us to be like Jesus. God wants us to walk with Jesus. God wants us to be great for Jesus. You may not want that, but God wants that for you and me. And He accomplishes that in so many ways by bringing trials and tribulations into our life and pain and suffering. God's not content with who we are. God's not content with what we're doing. He wants to make us better. He wants to transform us. You will never find anybody great for God who has not been under the thumb. If you go back one chapter to Hebrews chapter 11, the great Hall of Fame chapter as it's called, a chapter that tells us that there's men and women in heaven who have done extraordinary things for God. If you go to that chapter, you'll notice names like Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Moses and many others. All of these were men and women just like us. But they were different in so many ways. But there was one thing you'll notice that all of the great men and women of Hebrews 11 had in common. And it's this. They all suffered. Every one of them went through trials and troubles and tribulations. Every one of them hurt, suffered, were pained, were under the thumb. And yet it was during that time they learned something. They learned that the life of faith is not just believing in God, but it's trusting in God. All of us believe, but God wants to take us from our belief to our trust. And that doesn't usually happen until you put under the thumb. You'll never know God is all you need to God is all you have. And sometimes God will pull the rug out from under us and bring something into our life 
to get our attention, with the hope that we will change and grow. Now those are just some general truths. You are going to suffer. The suffering can have many different names, but you're going to suffer. But that suffering, if you're a Christian and you understand it, can ultimately bring about a change in you that will be for your better, believe it or not. Now, that brings us to Hebrews chapter 12. And I want you to keep your Bibles open because we're going to work through the Scriptures. Now, Paul, who I believe is the author of this, is talking about chastening and discipline particularly, specifically. But chastening and discipline are cousins to pain and suffering, trials and tribulations. They're really basically the same thing, although there are different facets and nuances to it. So the first thing I want us to see in verses 5 through 7 is that God allows pain and suffering, trials and tribulations into our life. He allows them or He causes them because He wants to teach us and to change us. Look at verses 5 through 7. You have forgotten, he says in verse 5, the exhortation. God's people have a short memory. We constantly have to be reminded of truth over and over and over again, or we will forget it. That's why God is a great teacher, because He constantly says the same thing to us over and over and over again. He's repetitive, He's redundant, because He knows that's how you learn, by constantly being reminded. I'm not the Lord, but I practice that when I preach too, as I've told you before. Many of you think I'm old and senile because I say the same thing over and over and over. No, I might be, but there's a reason why I say the same thing over and over. It's because I want you to remember. If you only say something once, you'll walk out of here at the end of the service and have already forgotten it. But if I say something 15 or 20 times, maybe you'll get it. And so it's interesting. Paul starts out, he says, listen, I'm going to remind you of something you've already forgotten. It's an exhortation, he says. It's this, my son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chastens. That's interesting. Whom he loves, he chastens, and scourgeth every son whom he receives. Wow. You know what that word chastening means? Some of your translations say discipline. But that word chastening or discipline comes from a word that means to suffer with a purpose. To suffer with a purpose. Not just to suffer, but to suffer with a purpose, and the purpose is to bring about change. When we're suffering... God is working. You know that? When you're going through a trial or tribulation, when you're experiencing pain or suffering, God is at work. 
What is he trying to do? He's trying to teach you something new about himself. He's trying to teach you something new about yourself. He's trying to bring about a change in you because we're stubborn and resistive. And the older we get, the more stubborn and resistive we get. And God doesn't want stubbornness. He doesn't want resistance. He wants us to constantly keep changing and moving and growing and changing and moving and growing. That's what He wants from us. And so God will bring those things into our life to shake us up a little bit. That we might become more like Him and less like us. That we might have a closer walk with Him. That He might be able to put us in a position to do something great for Him and not just mediocrity. In other words, listen to me. God is a teacher. And when He allows trials and tribulations and pain and suffering into our life, what He does is puts us in the classroom. And he uses the classroom of trial and tribulation, pain and suffering to teach us. He doesn't want us to stay in the classroom. He teaches in the classroom and he wants us to leave the classroom and make a difference. In other words, he wants us to be students, not victims. Students say, what can I learn? Victims say, Why did this happen to me? Students accept things. Victims blame somebody. Students become better. Victims become bitter. Students trust God. And victims demand answers from God. When I was in school many years ago, there was a science teacher. Well, he was a teacher in the science department. I don't know if he was a science teacher. His name was Coach Dillard. Coach Dillard was a likable guy. He was fun. He was always telling jokes, talking about the football games the night before, and then drawing X's and O's up on the board in science. I can't tell you that I learned one single thing of science in his class the whole year I was in there. I learned a lot about football. That's how I got interested in playing under him, because he encouraged me to play. But I didn't learn any science under Coach Dillard. But listen, he was a fun guy. On the flip side of that, there was another teacher by the name of Mr. Sands. He taught history. He didn't like football, nor football players. (laughs) He didn't care if you needed the the credit to play, it didn't matter to him. He piled the homework on you that much. He demanded papers and term papers. He didn't grade on the curve. He wanted them a certain way, and if it wasn't a certain way, he tore them up and gave you an F. He was a mean son of a gun. He took no prisoners, showed no mercy, gave no quarter. You didn't do the work, you failed. It didn't matter if you won on Friday night or you were the quarterback. It didn't matter. I hated it. (laughs) But looking back, 
Coach Dillard was fun, but I never learned nothing from him. Mr. Sands was hard, and I still remember what he taught me then to this day. You see, God puts us in the classroom, and God will allow hardships and troubles and trials and pain and difficulty and suffering to take place because He wants us to walk out of that classroom learning something that will make a difference down the line later. You learn more on the gravel roads of life than you'll ever learn on the smooth streets paved with gold. Secondly, from verse 7, notice in your text, in the trials and tribulations of life, in the pain and suffering of life, we learn that God loves us. Notice it says in verse 7, if you endure chastening, God deal with you as with a son. What son is he whom the father chastened not? Verse 6 says, for whom the Lord loveth, he does what? He chastens. You see, God loves us so much that he doesn't want you to stay as you are. He wants you to become somebody you're not. God loves us so much that he doesn't want us to stay still. He wants us to move forward. God loves us so much, He doesn't want us to be average and mediocre. He wants us to be great. You see, God wants more for us than we want for ourselves. Most of us are perfectly satisfied just to get saved and loaf on our way to heaven. And that's why the church and Christianity is in the shape it is in today. God didn't save us to be loafers. God saved us to be Soldiers, laborers, and he's constantly trying to do things to, to challenge us and to stimulate us and to tear down our resistance and our stubbornness and move us further and bring us higher in our walk of faith. Do you understand you'll never be great for God till you're under the thumb? And some of you are under the thumb right now and you don't like it. It's not fun. But I tell you what, if you will understand God is at work doing something, it makes it more bearable and tolerable. Do you know we would have never had Corey Ten Boom if we didn't have Ravensbrook? How do you think she became one of the greatest women of God that's ever lived? It's because she spent some years in a Nazi concentration camp. That's how come. She understood what it meant to suffer for Jesus. And that suffering transformed her life. Alexander Solzhenitsyn would have never became the man of faith and freedom that he became if it wasn't that he spent some time in Siberia, a death camp where nobody ever walked out alive. But yet he did. Joni Erickson Tata would have never became the woman of influence she became if she didn't become paralyzed from the neck down from an accident and then followed that up with years later with breast cancer. And yet she's such an inspiration to so many ladies. Tim Lee and Cleve McClary would never have the impact they have on military men bringing them to Jesus if they didn't go to Vietnam and lose half their body. 
It's in the pain and suffering. It's under the thumb that God uses those circumstances and situations to change us, then prepare us for greatness. He does it because He loves us. Sometimes parents will say to children, this hurts me more than it's going to hurt you. Why do we spank our children? Because we'd like to? Because we need to. It's through the spanking, the discipline, the chastening, through the pain that, of that. Board of education to the seat of learning. That they grow. And you don't really understand that you become a parent. Verse 9, we see a third principle. The purpose of trials and tribulations is to teach us and change us. To show God's love for us. Thirdly, to teach us to submit to God during those times. Verse 9, it says, Furthermore, we have had fathers of the flesh which corrected us and we gave them respect. Shall we not much rather be in subjection or submission unto the Father of spirits and live? That word subjection, submission, is an interesting word. It comes from a Greek word that talks about the military. And it simply means a soldier who will follow orders, though he does not have an explanation or an understanding of what he's being asked to do. All God wants us to do when trouble comes and tribulation comes and pain and suffering comes, and by the way, it's coming, Batten down your hatch, it's coming. What he wants us to do is simply say, I don't understand, I can't explain it, but I submit to it. He wants us to drop our sword and bend our knee. You understand that? Because most of the time when something happens to us that we believe is bad, we get a little agitated, a little stubborn, a little rebellious. We shake our fist up at God and demand answers. We go into the victim mode that I talked about earlier. And God says, listen, I don't want you to do that. I want you just to say, I don't understand. I don't need to understand. I will just obey. I was reading the story about a highly decorated soldier in World War II. Bob, you served in World War II, and thank you for that service. But this soldier was part of the D-Day invasion. He was part of the American contingent that landed at Normandy. And most of you who know history know that the first waves of U.S. soldiers that hit that beach, they were slaughtered. The Germans had everything leveled at those beaches, landmines, the big guns, the little guns. I mean, it was a slaughterhouse for those brave Americans who first hit that beach. And this soldier that I'm speaking of, he made it out of the landing craft. He got out of the, the water from drowning. He made it to the front elements of the beach and he fell down behind a tank trap that was set. All around him, men are bleeding and dying and many are already dead. 
He says in his memoirs it was the closest thing to hell he could ever imagine. But as he was lying there, he got to thinking about it all. And he said, I can do one of two things. I can lay here and die here and have served no purpose. Or I can get up from here and move forward and maybe, just maybe, make a difference. You see, he didn't understand all of it. He didn't have an explanation from the commander-in-chief, Dwight Eisenhower, about all of this. He just knew he was under the thumb. And he could lay there and die, or he could get up and do something. And he did. He got up and did something. He didn't get shot. He made it to the first wall. He climbed that wall. And he and several other men knocked out batteries, machine gun nests, and big gun batteries that would allow the men who were coming behind him to have a greater chance of survival on that beach. You see, ladies and gentlemen, God doesn't always explain to us what He's doing. And if He did, we wouldn't understand anyway. But I tell you, just keep moving forward. Don't lie on the beach. Get up and move forward. Accept what is happening. Be submissive to it and just move forward. And you can make a difference. Verse 10. Pain and suffering and trials and troubles are for our good. It says, for they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but be for our profit, that we might be partakers of His holiness. You're going through trials and tribulations, pain and suffering. It's not fun. Is anybody having fun if you're going through it? But it's needful and necessary because what God does is He takes what we're going through and he turns what we perceive to be bad into something good. Have you ever had a cavity? Sure you have. Some of you quite a few. That's why you don't smile. When you have a cavity and you go to the dentist, what does he say to you? Here, just take this mouthwash and rinse it out and you'll be good. Don't you wish it was that easy? No, he gives you a toothbrush and toothpaste and says, go home and brush for a week and come back and see me. It'll be gone. Huh. When you got decay in your mouth, they have to do something. Ah! <laughs> They put that drill on that decay, don't they? And then they ask you questions while you're... Are you hurting? Hit him again. But the drill is necessary to get the decay out. But once the decay out, 
your mouth is healthy. You go to a surgeon and you got a mass in your body. What does he do? He schedules you for what? Surgery. And he's going to take a scalpel that's razor sharp. And he's going to cut you. He's going to bleed you. He's going to dig in you. And he's going to take out that mass. And then sew you back up. And you're going to moan and groan and hurt for a while. But you're going to be healthier because of it. When you leave church today, you're going to go 70 miles down Miles Road Road here, right? 70 miles an hour. And you're going to get stopped by one of our fine police officers. And he's going to write you a ticket. It's going to be a painful ticket. But you know something? After you pay that ticket, you'll slow down and maybe you'll save your life. You see, sometimes we look at bad things as being bad, but I'm telling you, when God is in it and God is in it all, many times the things that we perceive as bad, God is bringing them against us that we might have good. Sometimes our setbacks are are, as God's spring to shoot us forward. And then lastly, we're through. Pain and suffering and trials and tribulations will eventually bring you peace. They're going to teach you and change you. They're going to show you God loves you. They're going to teach you to be submissive to Him, even when you can't understand Him or explain what's going on. They're going to teach you that bad can come good. They're also going to teach you that peace and joy follow them. Do you know peace and joy follow pain and suffering like a dog's tail follows a dog? It's a give me. You say, where do you get that from, from the Bible? Look at verse 11. Now, no chastening for the present seems to be joyous. Amen. (laughs) It's grievous. Nevertheless, afterwards, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. You know what the outcome of all of this is? Here you are right now. Trial comes, tribulation comes, pain comes, suffering comes. What's the purpose of it? God is taking us to school. He's teaching us things about Himself and ourself that will help us come out of the classroom, out from under the thumb, and see good things will come from bad, and give us peace that what we went through had a purpose. It's going to make us more like Jesus, closer to Jesus, and greater for Jesus. You see, pain will give way to peace at some time. And it will feel good. I heard the story about a man in a mental institute. And what he used to do is take his head and bang it on the wall. Bing! 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 Somebody asked him why. Why do you do that? He said, because when I stop, I feel good. When I stop, I feel good. When the pain stops from the suffering that God puts us through or we go through, we will feel good. We will have His peace. I hope this has helped you grasp some things.
about trials and tribulation and pain and suffering, because in the next few weeks we're going to go a little deeper, a little further. So in closing, this is it. You got two choices when you are under the thumb. You got two choices when pain and suffering is on you, when trials and tribulations are there. You know what the two choices are? You can walk on with God in hope and try to learn something from it that will make you better and make this world better. Or you can walk away from God in anger and in rebellion and become bitter and destroy yourself. That's the choice. The question is, what will you do? Some of you are already in it. What are you doing in it? You can't affect what's going to happen, but you can affect what you're going to do in it. And some of us, well, we're still scratching our head on this sermon saying, I can't figure it out. It ain't happened to me yet. It will. What is our response going to be is the question. Lie in the sand and die? Or get up and move out? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed.